Hello, fellow Crap Weasel fans. Darren here. What a week it has been. It has been a strange one, to be honest. Uh, I wanted to give a quick note here before we start the show. Uh, And yes, my voice is a little deeper than usual. I'm a little under the weather, but whatever. Uh, So here's what happened. On Monday, we recorded the bulk of the show. But then on Tuesday, which was the Science of Scouting event, we found out that we'd be talking to Hillary Knight on Wednesday. So we decided to hold the show in terms of releasing it until... We got the Hillary Knight interview done, Uh, but it's a little abrupt in the episode because like, you know, normally we will give a little lead into it and then a little outro. And so don't be startled when you suddenly hear an awesome interview with Hillary Knight. She was really great. Uh, She is fresh off of the All-Star game. So her voice is a little shot, kind of like mine, but she toughs it out and gives some awesome, awesome insight. And it's just so much fun to talk to her. So uh, also, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but on Wednesday, there's this little team name fiasco. Uh, I'm calling it Krakengate, but apparently what happened was this guy named John Hoven, who's a Kings blogger, went on some sort of serious XM radio show and said that he believes that the name is going to be Kraken. So somehow that made its way to the internet by way of a blog called Russian Machine Never Breaks, and everyone just took it for fact and lost their minds. So (laughs) we haven't had anything confirmed that the name is Kraken, but a lot of people out there seem to believe that uh, it is confirmed. It's really not. It's pretty much all just conjecture. It's literally a guy who thinks he knows something. What I will concede is that John, and actually John is conceding this, he mentioned that uh, at one time he had a hard stance that Kraken was absolutely not going to be the name. Uh, He said that it's not as off the table as he once thought it was. So that's interesting. Uh, Also, just from NHL Seattle, they put out an official statement that said, at NHL Seattle, we are thrilled by the growing excitement about our team, and we can't wait to share every detail with our fans. However, we will not be commenting on any rumors. Please check our social channels for more updates. So I did check their social channel, and on Twitter they said, while we're aware of some fishy rumors surrounding our team name, Please rest assured we're doing our due diligence by scouring the depths of the ocean, the tallest mountains, and the densest parts of the forest to find the right name for our great green city, which is just outstanding. Fantastic tweet by the folks at NHL Seattle. Very well handled, very well done. No, we don't have anything confirmed, but it is time to get this episode uh, cracking. So we will start the show now in three, two... One. The All-Star Game has come and gone, and there were a couple of nice hot mic scenarios that happened. The first one came from Jacob Markstrom of the Vancouver Canucks. No time to rest, is there? He's got to be focused and get right back, ready to go. Oops. And then <laughs> the second one, and perhaps uh, a little bit more recognizable and more uh, discussed on the various social media platforms, was Green Day. Get your Double oops. I don't know that was an oops on the Green Day Well, part. not on Green Day's part. I think Billy Joe knew exactly yes. what he was doing there. Had a microphone right in front of him. Yep. My question, though, is didn't they learn their lesson with Snoop Dogg like two years ago? Because He did the same thing. He did the exact same thing. He was like the quote-unquote DJ when they had the All-Star Game in Los Angeles. And he played some of his songs, I think, that very obviously had large 
significant swear words in them. Uh, you would think that they would learn from these things and maybe let Green Day know, like, hey, you're the quote-unquote official punk rock band or whatever it's called uh, for the NHL, so maybe you could keep your F-words to a minimum. Uh, that's important because, you know, you rarely hear those kind of words at a hockey game or that's a hockey true. rink. That's yeah. true. But as we've talked about, right, the All-Star game is meant to be... We always say, like, oh, well, the, the media complains about it's the All-Star game. It's not for the media. It's for the kids, right? So if you're going <laughs> to do an event like this that's for the kids. Why not start them off young? Yeah, I guess. I guess <laughs> that's so what's, what's crazy is, and I'm not sure if the listeners know this, is that NBC had them bleeped out. It wasn't bleeped. It was, it was just, just cut. It was just yeah. cut. And then, but the CBC feed, which we get down here, actually let it play. Oops. So. Oops is right <laughs> for both of those scenarios because that, that hot mic from Markstrom was actually a CBC mic. Yeah. By the way, the Markstrom one, it was during the skills competition. Roman Yossi came down during the uh, the save streak competition. Yeah, beat him five hole. And Markstrom, I guess, thought he should have had it. Yeah. And didn't, didn't love yeah. what happened. Have you ever that said was... that? Oh, no, never. You know, <laughs> funny, though. Darren just says, well, that was a guy, nice shot there, fellow. Exactly. I just congratulate My fellow hockey player. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well done. Well done. Well struck. One time on on the way home, I had said a curse word, and my dad was like, I have heard enough out of you tonight. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I heard every word you said on the ice. And I was like, oh. (laughs) Sound of Hockey, episode 71. We're calling this one, what else? The Evgeny Malkin episode, because he's, he's pretty good, so... Don't he's good at he's good at hockey. Yeah, felt like we should do it. He didn't make the All Star game, did he? Well, he was hurt for a big chunk of the year, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, he wasn't there, uh, but he is a good player, and he is number seventy one. So we're going with it. I am Darren Brown at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter. Joined as always by Andy Ide. Hello, Andy. How's it going? I'm at, at Andy Ide on the Twitter. And at, at Andy and, and, uh-huh. and John Barr. Uh, hello, John. Hello. I'm NHL to Seattle on the Twitter. And we are coming to you from Bardown Studios in Seattle. Uh, we have a review that I would right. very much like to share with you. I'm a little under the weather, so my voice is going to crack like that a few times. Is this and... an actual review or a spam comment about our dope tracks? No, this is an actual <laughs> review this time. Uh, and you may think that I know this person, this, this. well, I was going to say Do this you? guy or girl. Literally, the title is MPLS Beer Guy. Great listen. Excellent hockey talk. Great updates on the progress of the new Seattle NHL franchise plus great discussion of everything hockey from Seattle Beer Leagues, WHL, college ranks, and the big news across the NHL. Excellent segments and bits. I always love John and Andy's groans every time the highly underrated goalie underrated. gear corner pops up. Maybe we Overrated. <laughs> I think it's equally appropriately rated. Maybe we could get more sweater talk in general. What's up with some of these hideous third jerseys out there? Looking forward to more minutia, not less, more minutia next season as we all catch Kirill Kaprizov fever. Go Weasels. We can wait till next season. Yeah. Kirill Kaprizov, <laughs> but you know what? He's coming. Kirill Kaprizov. Is he? We, well, we think so. I, I saw something today that, that uh, said he should be coming. Yeah. They're Emily Kaplan did, uh, she went to the KHL All-Star Game and she interviewed a bunch of players, said, who do you think is going to be the best like superstar in the NHL, and everyone said Kaprizov, and there are varying pronunciations. Should it be Kaprizov or Kaprizov? I hear the Russian announcers say Kaprizov, so I'm saying Kaprizov. He was a fifth-round draft pick. This is a little bit of minutia. He's a fifth-round draft pick, and he's uh, he's blossomed. He was the guy who he was the guy who scored the golden goal for uh, the Olympic athletes from Russia to win gold for them. 
Uh, so who knows? Maybe he's the savior that the Minnesota Wild have been looking for. But yeah, he. I, I'm going to right now. He is. They're going to win. He's got to be up with him. So anyway, thank you, Minneapolis awesome beer yes. guy, for that fantastic review. Who doesn't, t- know, doesn't know Darren whatsoever. I well, figured he 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 must know us, but. I had my suspicions on a candidate, and I confronted him about it. And he, it wasn't him? He, de- he denied it. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I didn't get any communication from anyone saying, hey, I wrote a review, so I don't think this is anybody I know, but uh, nonetheless, way, we're, we're thankful. we appreciate it. We're very thankful. Let's get into the show. We'll start with a little bit of Seattle talk. John, what's the latest on the, uh, the Palm Springs stuff? The commissioner and president of the AHL mentioned that the Palm Springs Arena that the future AHL franchise, the baby crap this, weasels, yeah, baby crap weasels, <laughs> will be playing at is going to break ground in the next month or so. So that's somewhat good news because mm-hmm. um, they need to get, they get hurry going. up and build that one too. They've got a twenty twenty one date just as so, well, <laughs> the same way. So that was that was a little bit of an AHL news, I guess. Nothing from the club themselves, but um, that was came out. And another thing that came out of that press conference is Vegas has expressed interest in purchasing an AHL franchise also come out with the intent to move it to Las Vegas. Hmm. Uh, and, and the AHL commissioner didn't quite say it would happen, but it could potentially be in Las Vegas. And it, I think that's an interesting tie-in with basically the success of hockey down there. And it kind of creates this different price point for hockey, um, but still with an affiliation with the club. I think I think it's actually pretty interesting. And geographically, really smart because it's so close to the, the, the baby crap weasels right in Palm <laughs> Springs but then also Tucson Vegas is kind of down there and can do day trips over yeah. to California there was a report that the, that the Orleans arena which is where their old ECHL team the Vegas Thunder played in would be where they would interesting that wasn't really confirmed it was just a and report that seems there. like a temporary solution too because yeah, 7,000 seat arena though which is well, kind of yeah. big but that same story said the Wranglers never got more than like five so but that was before hockey took off in Vegas so I've actually seen a be game now. there oh, yeah? but I don't remember who was playing. I mean, it was a pro team, but I don't know who was playing there. Hmm. Uh, I mean, it's interesting because it does kind of relate. And remember what happened with Vegas was they started by sharing with the Blues, right? And then the Blues ended up with who? The Stampede, I think? The San Antonio Stampede? Yeah, that sounds right. And San Antonio was Colorado. Colorado moved to Colorado. Yep. The Colorado Eagles, who make yet another appearance on Sound of Hockey. And uh, yeah, and so now Vegas ends up with the Chicago Wolves. And so it's it's a strange scenario. And the... uh, uh, what might not be clear to people is that with the AHL franchise in Palm Springs that we were, or the Seattle franchise was awarded earlier this year, that makes 32 AHL franchises. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty big deal because Vegas could have gone that route and purchased a team or expanded to a team, team yeah. and then built them on their own. Yep. Uh, and I don't know what the cost structure is in that. But Seattle is very shrewd to do that before Vegas could do that and also place it in that location. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, OVG is kind of tied to that location, that arena as well. So that made, made a little bit more sense. But it's it's a little bit of a signal like how smart and deliberate the NHL franchise here in Seattle is being with this this whole deal, right? I don't want to like drink too much Kool-Aid, but I think <laughs> it's an undersold benefit of this ownership group that we have here. And they're being very, very smart and very strategic about this. And that AHL franchise, getting that expanded franchise, huge for them. I wish they'd be way more hasty with things like the team name. <laughs> just get it out. It doesn't matter if it's good or not. Just get it out there. enough already, right? Yeah. They, they, they could be making money. <laughs> Yeah, they could. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Holy Toledo. 
Jesus. The other thing is that this rivalry series that we've been kind of teasing a little bit, the uh, the USA versus Canada, that's upon us, isn't it? That is. Um, there's two games coming up next week, but there's an organization that's putting together a watch party at the Westie next Monday. That's the Victoria game. Okay. Um, Kelly Stevens Tysland is going to be there. Do you remember the reference to Kelly Stevens? I do. Uh, oh, Natalie Darwitz was that's her right. line mate. That's right. Her uh, line mate. About that. Her line mate in college and then with the U.S. team. Very um, cool. So she's going to be there signing autographs at 630. So that's the Westie in the Roosevelt neighborhood. It's right on 65th. It's a pretty cool spot. You know, we always talk about supporting women's hockey. Here's your opportunity to do it. 630 next Monday, February, February 3rd. 3rd. You could there also you go. go to Victoria because that's a pretty cool town. Yeah. Yeah. Except, you know what? The <laughs> ferries don't run this time of year. Ah. And so what? the reason why I'm not going. Maybe is the ferries don't run. The ferries to Victoria are not running. It's dry dock period. Anyway, not to get in too much. Which ferry? A bunch of them. Okay. Literally, I tried to go, f- like, find four four different mm-hmm. routes. Just that Anacortis, or that or something? That's weird. Anacortis, the, awesome. the one out of Seattle. It was insane. Like, If you're going to go, maybe check the ferry schedule and make sure <laughs> yeah, that they're running the before Tawasa you ferry. <laughs> out there. Uh, and that doesn't work either. <laughs> our non-Seattle listeners are loving this segment, by the way, <laughs> yeah. where we argue about whether or not the ferries are running. I'm, I'm not arguing. I just I was shocked by that. No, I, I was don't pissed. Know how to I was pissed. I wanted to go. John, uh, you also have some posts coming up this week on the NHL to Seattle site. I posted something already about the anatomy of the expansion draft, and it really just takes a, a kind of more of a, a data perspective on what Vegas did with their expansion draft and how they kind of did side deals. You know, there was 10 side deals. We ended up only talking about two or three. Mm -hmm. But, um, and then how many draft picks that they they got. I think they netted 14 additional draft picks after the expansion draft. I mean, that was huge for them. Pretty cool. So it's a a very kind of analytical view, not really getting into the the details of specific players. I mean, I do reference examples. But Seattle's going to have those same scenarios, and I thought it would be a good approach to see what happened there. The mix of... Those those kind of scenarios, like they might not flip as many. They might not have so many. They had a couple that they basically drafted and then just let go UFA mm-hmm. because they just had no intention yep. of signing them. So there's a lot of those scenarios that Se- Seattle is going to have to parlay into their expansion draft. But I thought it was a, a fun exercise. I was just interested in it. I thought I would share So in my research. so Cool. And Andy, you have a Stu Barnes thing. Yeah, coming. I met with Stu Barnes uh, today, which is Monday. So it'll be the time this podcast posts. The story will be up. Uh, and was... also by the time this thing posts the Pacific Science Center event, the yes. Science of Scouting will have come and gone. And that was... <laughs> Futurely, it's going to be awesome. Yes, yeah. it was great. As you're listening to it now, it was an amazing, great time. So, because I can't make that, uh, NHL Seattle was nice enough to hook up uh, a meeting with me and Stu Barnes today. Uh, great guy. Uh, he's one of the NHL's the pro scouts that they've hired, and what what I really was interested in is he's he's had a connection to Northwest hockey since the eight, late '80s because he played for the Tri City Americans, and then uh, after his play near the end of his pro career, he played a long time in the NHL. He uh, he and Olaf Kolzig, the old Washington Capitals mm-hmm. goalie, who also goalie. also played in Tri City, mm-hmm. bought the Tri City Americans, so they're the owners. Very cool. And he and Kolzig, while they were playing early in their career, had home summer homes in Kennewick because that's where they met their wives, and they wanted to have a home base that they could come to because when you're a young player, you're getting sent down or traded, and they wanted to have a permanent home to call home, and so they. They both lived in Kennewick, and so they've always kind of been connected, and he's played a lot of games in Seattle. He has some interesting things to say about Seattle hockey fans that he experienced as a young guy. So Good things or bad things? Good, Mostly good things. <laughs> there was one incident. 
Okay. <laughs> Long time Thunderbirds fans know about with the Tri-City Americans at the okay. Coliseum, but we won't get into that. <laughs> um, yeah, interesting guy. Uh, I asked him a little bit about the role now as a scout and what they're looking for, what kind of players they're looking for. So uh, go go read all about it. Very cool. Uh, okay, let's talk about the All-Star game and all that went into it here, uh, at least to some degree. We'll kind of give our thoughts on it, our, our recap, and that'll pretty much be it. And I know Andy's going to have a lot of in-depth discussion here because we know that he watched every second of the All-Star game. I watched the skills competition. Okay. All right. Well, good, because we're going to start with that. So I'll just give a quick rundown here. So fastest skater went to Matthew Barzell. Heard of him. He beat mm-hmm. Connor McDavid. So that was kind of a big deal. Hardest shot went to Shea Weber, which he's done Surprise. that yep. before. Yeah. Uh, allegedly, Al McInnes came out and <laughs> shot a 100.4 mile per hour slap it shot. It did look fake. Uh, I thought it looked a little fake. I mean, yeah. he shot it you hard. Don't buy it? I don't buy that it was a 100 mile per hour slap shot. Is that bad? Should I buy it? Sell, so skeptical. Sell. No, I. Mm. I don't know. I have no reason to. Why would they? Wait, what, looked pretty what, hard to me. Because wasn't it like a contest? Like if you get over 100.4 miles per hour, then they'll uh, they'll donate money or something like that, right? So it was like, well, we want to set it nice and high so that we donate money. Did you see uh, Elias Pettersson hit get over 100? He did, and he had a nice little. Surprise! Look yeah, at his face. That's what I was going to talk about when he, as he's following through, he's skating around. He, he looks over at the little reader board that says what his score was, and he kind of was like, "Oh, oh, didn't like a shoot <laughs> over hundred miles an hour." Maybe he's on the Al McGinnis scale. Maybe yeah. I did see somebody that say like uh, mile per hour per pound of mm. weight in the player that he led the competition. That makes <laughs> yeah, sense. Yes, yeah, yeah. the analytics community yep. must have been digging into that. The shooting stars, like dude, perfect thing was won by Patrick Kane. We'll just gloss over that. Uh, the shooting accuracy. Ooh, well, so let's talk about the shooting stars. Oh, okay, let's talk about. Patrick King. Because that was a new event that they kind mm-hmm. of experimented with. Now, I think it's got potential because it was kind of fun and they had some of the, the U.S. and Canadian uh, women's team members up there. And the the challenges they had one big 10-point target. Arch, it was like the, the arc. Yeah, yeah, that everybody was shooting at, mm-hmm. right? And so it's basically chuck a puck at that point. Yeah, and then everybody... <laughs> and so I think they need to make the targets a little bit bigger and spread out the scoring a bit, you know, because there was like Small ones, like, really close, but they're small, yeah, and they're only worth, like, two or four. Yeah, so maybe they should reverse the uh, totals. I thought, it, I thought it was fun. It's got potential. It just needs to get tweaked. And uh, I, I feel like that was the consensus online as well, that most people kind of were like, okay, we're into it, but everybody was shooting at that 10. I love that they were trying something different that yep. they haven't done before. And... Yeah. Anyway, I liked it. The shooting accuracy went to Jacob Slavin. I what? thought it was Slavin? Slavin? Slavin. Slavin. Whatever. I say Slavin, I say Slavin. Uh, I thought it was interesting that they had kind of a new look to it this year Actually, with that like, that like a, a LED screen, screen yeah. thing yeah. that changed depending on who was shooting. You remember last year they had like the faces? The faces yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And they had, well, at one point they had to switch out the screen. There was some kind of, I don't know if it was a problem or that. No, the, uh, the first shooter, I forget who it was, hit Tara the edge of the glass uh-huh. and broke it. Broke Oops. a piece of it. <laughs> definitely not Tarasenko. He's yeah. injured for like yeah, a yeah. whole season. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> it definitely wasn't Tarasenko. <laughs> but Angela, uh, maybe. Uh, okay. So if somebody hit in the same spot, they would have basically hit the LCD. Broken computer. the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so they had to swap that out real quick. So uh, I, I was kind of torn on that because I thought that was cool, but I also liked the old exploding plates that they had. I thought it was well, cool they to see the glass break. I know, but yeah. I like those things. Things were actually being destroyed. Strom, and, Strombone suggested that. He's like, oh, hear he? me out. Let's have like, exploding plates next year. <laughs> uh, the save streak competition was won by hometown goaltender Jordan Bennington. 
Tomas Hurdle did his Justin Bieber mask thing there, which, which is funny, but he couldn't see yeah. the puck, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah. I also have I think your McGinnis thing. I think that that seemed a little fixed to, mm. for Bennington to win it in the home. Well, the last some the, of those shots those guys were taking were pretty soft. Well, but the last goal or the last attempt went went off the post. He was yeah, that's true. That's true. Completely out, like dead yeah. to rights, and I think it was dry side. Yeah, hit off the hit it off the post. But some of those other attempts, I'm like, come on. Mm. <laughs> I think attempt? I mean I think that's just the nature of the shtick, yeah. right? Uh, and then we had the women's three on three game. Now I thought this was pretty great. I I genuinely enjoyed every second of it. I actually wish it was longer. Was uh, too. I had a couple of kind of minor things that I was like, well, they're still not quite being t- treated the way that they should. Like they made them share a locker room, which yeah. was pretty crappy. Uh, they also apparently didn't resurface the ice before the game, which was also kind of crappy oh, in really? my opinion, but is what it is. And, and then, uh, but yeah, just giving kind of a quick recap on it. So Hillary Knight, she scored the only goal for the U.S. They did lose two to one to Canada. It was awesome. Like it was back it was and forth. Action, action, they were yeah. playing very hard, definitely playing to win. Uh, and they had, you know, at the very last second, they had a chance to tie it. Yeah. And the Canada goalie, and Renee Debien, who's a Wisconsin Badger, she was outstanding, and she she did make a make a big glove save to to rob whoever was the shot that final shot. But um, man, that was really to me that was the takeaway was that that goaltender was she kind of stole the show. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was great. I thought the game was cool. I think I'm wondering how often they've played three on three because mm-hmm. you know there was still a possession game that you see in the the NHL three on three like, but they didn't have like the regroup that tends to happen in the NHL. Well, they'll pull it back out. Yeah, and, and maybe it could have been that back, there was only you know. 10 minutes per period, and yeah. so they kind of wanted to kind of keep it going. And it could be. I think the NHL teams do that sometimes because they, I mean, they don't want to lose the point, right? There's a point at stake in the standings. Yeah. And so if it's, not, if it's not there, don't force it, regroup, try again. You always have the shootout to go to. I think that's part of why that started happening. Well, well you still get a point if yeah, you get you to still overtime. get a point, so it doesn't matter. I know, matter. But, get, but there's the extra point. You don't want to give up a, a chance. Like You don't want to force mm-hmm. the issue and give up a two-on-one the other way. I'm not sure. Then you lose the second I think that's point. a bad take. Andy. I think uh, yeah. I think you're going to get outnumbered on this one. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm still right. That's why they do it. <laughs> <laughs> All they right. do it at the other level, other levels, and I've talked to coaches about it, and that's why they do it. My last. Well, no, it's a possession game. Like, that's what it is in three on three. My last thought I don't, was I don't disagree with that. That Jocelyn Lamoureux Davidson was unbelievable, also for the U.S., but she did not score a goal. But I mean, that's some of the chances she the goal, had. Yeah. Were, yeah exactly. Uh, but yeah, those are my thoughts. John, did you have anything that uh, you took away from that? No, same thing. Just great to see them out there. And, um, you know, a lot of the women tweeted and commented and had interviews saying it was a great experience that they they were really thankful for being part of it. So yeah. should be interesting what they do next year, mm-hmm. right? Like how do they build they on tweak it? it or Hopefully yeah. they build yeah. on it. Yeah, and there was a lot of coverage on women's hockey in general this weekend. You know, I think Cameron Granato was on like a panel at the All-Star game. So great to see all the coverage. Yeah. That's in general. Um, unfortunately, the stuff kind of peaks and valleys like we won't it won't be sustained. But I think you got to take advantage when you when you have the limelight. And, and I think it really did. The game shined. And uh, so good on them. Yep. Uh, the All-Star game itself, which obviously happened on Saturday, Pacific Division ended up winning it for, apparently that's, what did you say, a third out of five times? Three out of five times, yeah. Okay, so that's interesting. They've done this three-on-three thing five times. Pacific has won it three times. Metro has won it the other two. So, uh, I don't know what the problem is with my stack central. It's just clearly the better players are in the other uh, divisions. Maybe. In the topsy-turvy <laughs> Pacific, though, with three three different uh, victories, including this one. Now, David Pasternak was given the MVP, even though he was not on the winning team. So the fix is obviously in, uh, right? East Coast bias. Yeah, well, Dunkin' Donuts bias. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, that is interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. 
Um, so he was coast bias. So actually, now that you think about yeah. it, so he be. was given uh, a Honda CRV, which I'm sure he'll drive. <laughs> yeah, clear, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I would be driving it right now. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's a hybrid too, so great gas mileage. Speaking of Dunkin' Donuts, I noticed that there was a Dunkin' Donuts ad on the boards, which the boards were constantly changing because they it was just like a computer graphic apparently. Like if you ever saw a replay, it was actually the kind of ads that we're used to seeing on the boards that are just static and they're just pasted on the boards. But when you watch the actual broadcast of the game, it was changing. Uh, so it was like constantly. superimposed. Yeah, I guess. So if you're in the arena, you no, don't see that. So that was part of uh, Batman's presser is that he commented on that they're they're demoing these, and that was that came out that these interactive boards. I noticed it during the women's game, and I thought it was distracting. But I also wonder if it's just because it's new. Like if they stick with that in two years, are we even, do we even notice it anymore? Well, like if you watch a soccer game, there's always the always. changing, yeah. right, advertisements in the background, and they don't bother me so much. Yeah. Um, maybe because they, I'm used to them. Yeah, so you might get used to that. And but I, they do draw my attention. And I yeah. I think the point of it is that, you know, by... It does draw your attention. Exactly, right? <laughs> Whereas, right. like, if you have <laughs> so 20 ads... Exactly. 20 <laughs> ads in a row that are just lined up on the board, you may not even register that there's a specific ad on there. True. But when it changes and it says Adidas, Adidas, it Adidas, Adidas, it. it definitely yeah. draws your eyes to it. So I that was actually what I was thinking with. What was it's, this you know, effective it, advertising? It's something they've been tinkering with because I know like 10 years ago now, some 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 broadcasts on the on the end glass mm-hmm. behind the nets would do virtual virtual ads like yeah, that yeah. where you would just see them on the TV. Yep. And that was distracting at first, but now I don't I don't really notice them yeah. now. But. Now, the, the other benefit that they talked about in the presser was that they can be localized ads. So mm-hmm. in Canada, like I I was flipping between CBC and NBC, and they were different ads because the sure. that makes sense. Yeah, you know, Tim Hortons in in CBC yeah, it doesn't make sense down here. Yeah. So if Tim Hortons, if you have Tim Hortons on the Dasher to the U.S., that's kind of for the most part useless, right? And so it's wasted advertising. So got it. Okay. So I think they're and it goes internationally too, mm-hmm. right? So because these games are broadcast internationally, yeah. then you can have a local Swedish ad on the Dasher. So. Uh, they anticipate more of that, and particularly with the playoffs. Um, so it should be should be interesting. It'll be curious to see how it goes. It'll be curious to see if we get used to it and then don't doesn't bother us. Initially, it I was, was distracted, definitely but, noticeable at first, but not in a way that it bothered me. I was like, oh, that's actually kind of creative, right? Mm-hmm. And and like when they'd score goals, they'd do a thing that's yeah, like goal, goal scored yep. by whomever. Yeah. And that's kind so of cool. I didn't hate it. I mean, it didn't bother me. I guess it probably could have, but it really didn't. I bother mean, it, me. and the thing is, they're just starting this, yep. so I'm sure they'll tweak it as necessary. Yeah, and you mentioned John the the Gary Bettman presser what else was said in that well florida will host the 2021 all-star game which is kind of cool because that might be a little bit more attractive for like players like ovechkin to go mm. down right versus st louis no disrespect to st. <laughs> what are you louis. saying yeah no, no, nothing <laughs> yeah he got some questions about the 2022 olympics and basically said there's there's no plans to go right now and uh there will be discussions and and we'll have to see but you know, certainly made no promises in the way he always does. He did give kind of the consolation that he recognized it's still a big deal to the Players Association. He, so yeah, he's not quite ruling it out, but he definitely was like, yeah, we didn't go to Pyeongchang and we felt very comfortable about that. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, and the, keep in mind, he's negotiating. So like mm-hmm. you can bitch about it all you want, but the reality is like he's not going to say, yeah, we'd like to go too. Because then, <laughs> he, then he, he keeps everything close to the vest. Well, he's, he he's just negotiating, yeah, right? There's no to. point in saying, what you yep. want nope um <laughs> uh i don't understand why people don't get that people want answers john so speaking of that though uh so you got a question about the cba there was no real progress on that i uh, said eventually they'll 
kind of reconnect, but there's not necessarily a sense of urgency, which is probably so the process. He implied it was more on the PA side, but he wasn't, he, he didn't say, he said, don't take that as a negative. It's just kind of how it is. Okay. He did get a Seattle question. Uh, oh. Chris Daniels asked a question and asked about like when they're going to release the Kraken and, or whatever. I thought, I thought that was happening at the All-Star game, right? Oh man. <laughs> Do you know how many people still thought it was? I, I saw a lot of comments. Oh, I'm like, God. oh, tomorrow's the day. It's probably why Chris Daniels was there. <laughs> Could be. And what's just funny kidding. is he's like, just kidding. on his his first report from on Friday night, which so was after the skills on his news clip, was the name would be coming late February or March. Which is what? What did we say last week? <laughs> we said late, late February, February or March. March. Yeah. So I'm clearly I'm not breaking news here. Like you, you it, just read the article. Yeah, right? I've just kind of <laughs> stay on top of it. So it's a little frustrating to hear people like complain, like "What the hell happened? I thought it was supposed to be announced." I'm like, Ugh. but that's nobody from the team ever said. I that, mean, the, so. the reality is like our reach is only so big, and yeah. uh, not everybody's reading everything or listening to every week. Of the I podcast, thought everyone so. on the planet listened to our podcast. I, I, I would have thought, but. Clearly. Well, when we're done, they will be. Yeah, they that's will right. Be. We're going to take over the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he did talk about the, throughout the entire weekend, he talked about it in the presser, but the puck and player tracking is on pace to um, roll out to all 16 playoff teams. Mm, cool. So we're going to see that in some form. NBC kind of weaved it in and out of their broadcast of the All-Star game. They had the little puck tail and the, the, the puck player tracking. Name. Player name. And, and then they even had... Um, puck tails? Like duck tails? Is that what that noise was? I thought you were really excited about so, uh, tracking. So I, I was kind of wa- checking out on the NBC app about what what they're doing with some of the player tracking. They had they had like shift lengths and stuff kind of on display, like as a kind of a heads up display. I thought that was kind of cool. I again, it, they just need to tweak it and yeah, see what what, they got. what what kind of feedback is out there. I I love the option of having the option right I, I ideally you would customize exactly what you want to see right if you want the pucktail you get the pucktail right mm-hmm. if you want Woo! you want that pucktail yeah. get you the pucktail so anyway uh <laughs> i think that's that's coming i don't know in what in what capacity so uh but certainly nbc had the app the advanced i got a kick out of i saw a number of people on twitter who tweeted out an image of during warm-ups they had all the player names above them yeah and it was just a big mess because all the players both yeah. teams were out there on the ice. We and... actually discussed that after last year's yeah, game. Yeah, and people were complaining about it, like, oh, this is awful. I'm like, well, that's not what it's going to look like yeah. during the game because there's only going to be five players on each side. Right. <laughs> John, do you have any other just general takeaways you wanted to discuss from the All-Star game before we move on? Well, I, I still think it's fun for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of players. Like, one thing is there's a bunch of first-time all, All-Stars there. TJ Oshie was his first oh. first time and in St. Louis, too, right? right? Was his first time, maybe? What's that? Max Pacioretty, I think it might have been his first time. Yeah, I think so. Duclair, right? So Duclair's having this great season. Can you imagine, like, him getting elected to the All-Star game? So I think there's a lot of cool stuff there. And Chris Kreider was another one, which is surprising as well. I don't know if you saw Layla Anderson introduce the St. Louis Blues when they were coming out the ice. Yeah, that that was awesome. They all went by and gave her knocks. Yeah, I can't imagine how much, like, media training and exposure and and experience she's getting from all these appearances. (laughs) Like, she's so good. Like, way better than I'll ever be. NBC did a whole story on her before the skills competition. Um, Pre-thing. One really cool thing in this it, CBC did during uh, warm-ups of the skills competition, Kevin Bieksa was on the ice. Oh, he's awesome. And he was going interviewing guys, and, and, you know, he can get them to, like, 
joke around because he battled a lot of these guys and kind of was like these guys were like oh crap here comes Bexa but like joking around. <laughs> Pedersen said th- he was his favorite broadcaster. Well, he was. <laughs> Pedersen was getting interviewed while he was juggling the puck yeah. on his stick, yeah. and Bexa was like, "All right, let's see what you're able to do. Like, how much are you able to focus on what I'm what I'm asking you?" And he's like, "Oh, what's your favorite color?" And Pedersen's like, "Ooh, blue and green." Right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I we need more hoping, Kevin Bexa on TV. I hope we see more of Bexa. It's too bad he's just tied up with. CBC, but well, I'd like to see him in the U.S. You remember that, that, speaking of him and Pedersen, there was that clip earlier in the season when he went to interview Pedersen in the locker room and asked him if he'd been to the Sedins, and yeah. he said, and he hadn't yet. I was like, I'll see what I can do for you. And Pedersen was like, who, who are, are you? you? I don't know. <laughs> do you know the Sedins? But he, he, made a, he made a reference to that in the in the interview. I don't know if you caught that. Oh, and, and one other thing is, like, you know, the players' kids that are out there with helmets or skating, and uh, there was a really cute interview with Alexander Latang, which is Chris Latang's son, the announcer was like so who do you who are you here to see besides your dad he's like oh i'm really excited to see the mascots (laughs) speaking of the mascots my one takeaway from the all-star game was that the nj devil sucks he had a wide open net to shoot at in the mascot game exactly he had a wide open net like completely wide open and he hit the post it was Pretty a, embarrassing. A perfect example of how that season has gone for the yeah, Liberty Devils. Exactly. One thing that stuck out to me during the skills competition was the fastest skater. Like five or six of those guys all were drafted in the 2015 draft. It was pretty remarkable. I'm like, that guy was drafted in 2015. So was that guy. So was that guy. Why uh, is that so special to you? Just because it was. A, you look at that draft, that first round, it was really good. It well, was you McDavid. Were there, and, right? Well, that's not why. It was, that's not why I care about uh-huh, that. Uh-huh. But it was. Yeah. It was McDavid. <laughs> it was McDavid. It was Eichel. Uh, Barzell went in that draft. Uh, Konechny was there. He went in that draft. I'm missing another one. But I was just like, God, all these guys, 2015, man, that draft was something Well, it's else. probably the, the zone, right? Like, probably, the yeah. You probably go back yeah. and probably that four or five Every five years. years. We now welcome on to Sound of Hockey a very, very special guest, a true legend in women's hockey for Team USA, uh, Miss Hillary Knight. You may know her as a two-time NCAA national champion at the University of Wisconsin, where she's the all-time leading goal and point scorer for the Badgers. Uh, eight world championship gold medals, one Olympic gold medal, and two CWHL championships, one NWHL championship. <laughs> Scored the lone goal this past weekend for Team USA in the elite women's uh, game at the NHL All-Star game. Did I miss anything, Hillary? <laughs> oh man! Mine's totally similar. Um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, so I keep telling these guys because I'm actually a fellow Wisconsin Badger myself, and I keep telling them about it, and they just don't seem to believe me. So I'm hoping that you can uh, tell us why Wisconsin is actually the best college on the planet. Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> it just is. <laughs> you know. It's- Oh, Badgers. No, um, it's just, it's a phenomenal place. Um, obviously, the the school is world-renowned. Um, to be a part of the, the Badger uh, family is, is incredible. It's, it's like nowhere else I've ever experienced. And I, as soon as I set foot on campus, I was like, this is exactly where I need to be. And granted, you know, the student body really backs it up. There's a lot of fun uh, throughout the time when you're there in college, but it's uh, the perfect combination. Yeah. Um, you know, here in, in Seattle, there's a great 
you know, University of Washington is right here in the city. And I always said, because I grew up in Minnesota, but went to Wisconsin. And the thing about University of Minnesota was that it's city first and school second. And I think it's similar here with University of Washington, but Madison is so different because it's definitely college campus first. And then there's like a little city around it. So that to me was what always made it so great. Yeah. And, you know, my actually my uh, two other brothers went to Wisconsin, too. So. We, we sort of started a little badger tradition because it was so so great and they love visiting when we, when I was playing and then they decided to go there but it, it's hard to set foot on campus and not want to attend um, the UW yeah. in, in Wisconsin yeah the, UW, the, where yeah. you guys are the correct, the correct yeah. UW yeah the correct UW so <laughs> so you obviously set quite a few records there uh, scoring you know points goals hat tricks plus minus like pretty much every record you could set. Uh, and I assume that you left there hating the Gophers. Now, do you did you hate the Gophers more or less than you currently hate the players on Team Canada? Oh, my gosh. No. You know, we had a really good border battle, a strong border battle going on. But I think at the end of the day, what saved us is, you know, we, we played with a lot of those um, girls uh, with the U.S. program. I'm actually currently rooming with a Gopher right now. But, um, no, it just... I mean, the rivalry is there. And I think, you know, that's what makes sports special is when, when fans and um, competitors can get attached to a rivalry. There's more pride on the line than anything. You have these phenomenal games. And we had a phenomenal series or multiple series against the Gophers and also against Duluth. Um, so it just it really goes back and forth. But to be honest, I don't think anything really compares to the, the U.S.-Canada rivalry. That's that's like ingrained from birth. And so you were just at the All Star game, uh, which which we all watched, and we talked about that a lot here on the podcast. And uh, you were you were also uh, you know you, you were in the skills event last year and on the three on three game. How was how was playing three and three this year? What was that experience like? Just from the three on three, the gameplay standpoint, a lot of skating. Yeah, a lot of skating. <laughs> it's crazy how big big the ice surface seemed. Um, no, but you know the first ten minutes was was extremely tough, um, just because you know you're 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 a little jittery and you're out there and. It's such a big moment for women's ice hockey and also for the NHL All-Star Weekend. And, um, you know, we finally relaxed in the game in the second period. I wish we had a third period just because (laughs) I I really felt we were hitting our stride. Um, But I think a phenomenal start. You know, I I think uh, we're not used to playing three-on-three format and to have that thrown at us and be able to adapt was, was, uh, you know, I'm I'm proud of all all of us. Obviously, we want to win every time you step on the ice, but... Um, you know, we can, we can save those W's for another time. Debian was pretty awesome in net for Canada. Were you at all upset that it was a fellow Badger that ultimately <laughs> did you guys in? <laughs> She's all right, right? So, yeah, no, she, I mean, <laughs> she kept a minute, um, to be honest. I mean, she was making some post-to-post saves. I was like, what the heck? You know, she's on the right side of the net, then she's on the left, and then she's up the middle, so... Um, you know, she's a great goaltender and sometimes you're going to run into a hot goalie. You just have to solve that problem. And, you know, we weren't able to solve it in the, the finite amount of time we had, but, uh, you got to give credit where credit's due, I guess. And you also were uh, part of that shooting stars event where you're uh, hurling pucks from the stands. Uh, yeah. how, how, how unique was I'm that? Have you, ever, have you ever done anything like that or goofed around and practice no. like that? <laughs> no, that was, that was, honestly, that was terrifying it's not like something you would do on a on a typical like routine basis and um you know it's it, it was a lot of fun but you know you go up to the practice round and you're overshooting things and then <laughs> you get out there and there's crowds and fans and all sorts of stuff going on and you have to wait between each shot and all of a sudden the nerves start to kick in and you're undershooting it or shooting right or left and um it definitely plays with you a little bit but I think it was a good addition. Um, I think they're going to switch up the scoring format yeah. moving forward, but it was a good start. 
And, and you, you talked about how big of an, uh, that your inclusion in this event was for women's hockey. And, you know, I, I have a niece who plays hockey down in, in Palo Alto, and, and I've seen firsthand the impact of her just watching the Olympics was on her, seeing women play hockey, women that look like her. And she, she talks about the ponytails a lot. That, that really hit home with her. Uh, but I'm wondering for yeah. you, for you, for you growing up, was there a moment or a player or something that impacted you in that same way or, or inspired you to, to pursue hockey? Yeah, um, well, to pursue hockey, I actually grew up in Palo Alto, and then, um, you know, I'm from a ski family. Yeah, so we (laughs) we moved to the Midwest, and my my mom was like, oh, my gosh, there are no mountains here. What do I do with my kids? So introduced my mom and dad have no clue of any of the rules. I mean, they learned it as we learned it. Um, So, you know, sometimes I think my dad's still learning it, but hopefully he's not listening. But, um, no, it just... You just get out on the ice and, um, you know, you, you aspire to be what you see around you. And, and for us, it was, I don't, I don't know if the Blackhawks were on TV. I think it was more the Detroit Red Wings and maybe the AHL, the Wolves in Chicago. I watched them a lot. And then 98 was the first time women's hockey was in the Olympics. And That's right, yeah. I saw Kay Granado bring back the gold medal. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I want to be just like her oh, awesome. and to have an opportunity now to be a part of the three on three series at NHL all-star and she's the coach and she's more involved with our program um, and what she's doing and what she has done for the sports. It's a pretty unique opportunity. Um, to, so to have that visibility and that role model that was accessible to be able to go to our hockey camps, you know, to have that imprint um, is so important. And so, it, you know, I, I definitely hang my hat and say, Cameron Granato definitely, um, you know, made me want to be, um, you know, better and be an Olympian and all these other things. So that's fascinating that you would bring her up as, as such a role model because uh, obviously, and maybe you're just pandering to your audience a little bit, but uh, <laughs> obviously she's been, you know, chosen to be one of the pro scouts for NHL Seattle. So we've been keeping close tabs on her lately. And she actually was here in Seattle last night doing a, a talk about pro scouting, which was really cool. All, you know, John and I attended and um, she talked about what was so incredible about the three on three event was seeing women wearing the NHL crest. Uh, which is something that, you know, she never thought that she would actually get to see. Um, Did you have any kind of like a a, a goosebumps moment like that, being able to wear that crest for the first time? Yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm losing my voice again. (laughs) um, Yeah, there it goes. I was yelling a lot over the weekend. Yeah. Um, No, I mean, I turned to her and I I, I asked her, I was like, do you, you know, in your, did you ever think this was going to happen? Like us being here right now um, in these jerseys at All-Star and, you know, it was it was such a special moment. And, you know, for the first time walking into the locker room, and granted, we were sharing a locker room with Team Canada. So it was a little uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. But to see those jerseys, I mean, it was it was incredible. Um, and I think the first question was, well, can we keep the jerseys after? <laughs> so, like, yeah, of course. Okay. The way you said that, I was worried that they didn't let you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, sometimes people like to auction them off afterwards, oh, sure. um, especially with some of our bigger moments and, um, but no, I'm definitely, I'm going to frame that jersey. I mean, that's, that's historic right there. Yeah, so it really is very cool. I've always wondered about your origins. Cause I know you were born in Palo Alto and, and, and lived there for a bit. And then, and you talked about your, your time in Illinois, but often you refer to Sun Valley as your hometown. And I know Sun Valley is a very, very small area. And can you just give me a brief overview of how you got to Sun Valley and how many years you spent there and what the hockey was like there? Yeah, I've, we've had a place there for, I think, I don't know over 15 years and so that really I, I said I was from like a ski family and that's what we used to do as family together is go go up on the mountain and ski and um you know I went to boarding school and all my breaks 
I went to Idaho. So uh-huh. I really considered that home right. for a number of years. Um, and then two, I just want, you know, people in the region, the young girls or young boys growing up to, to know that you can come from a mountain background. Um, Cause I know it's, it's a little bit harder to commute to different hockey trips and tournaments and to find ice, but um, it's, it's such a beautiful place to be. And I've considered it home for many, many years and I've always had vacations there. So it just seems like my, my home away from home in a way. Um, but I've definitely settled full time there, which is really good. Nice. So how did you find like enough competition to get yourself into like an elite athlete status? Was I mean you mentioned you had to travel, right? Was was that just constantly you were yeah. on the road even as a kid? So when I was a kid I, I actually um so I grew up in Chicago for most of my child uh childhood and then I went to boarding school when I was like thirteen. So mm. I've really been out of the house for a number of years. But when we did have, you know, summers or vacations I'd always go back to Idaho, but um, what's really cool about, sorry, my voice, but <laughs> about hockey is it, it brings all, all sorts of different people together. And like, I, I still go back home and I'll skate it at noon, noon puck hour, you know, yeah. just, and uh, we had some, you know, ex pro skate out there. We have a team in, in town um, that plays, you know, minor pro and things like that. But uh, the Valley's definitely committed to, to hockey and it, it's really cool to see how it's picking up. Very cool. Kind of fast forwarding a bit. You've, You've been to three Olympics, 2010, 2014, and, of course, gold in 2018. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it, I always think about the gap years, and, and it was probably harder the further you go back. But you always had a team to play for. Like, you were with Wisconsin, obviously, and then you were with the Blades between uh, 2010 and 2014, and then eventually with the Pride. And those gap years at least you had a team. And this year is a little different. Obviously, it's the first time you've not really had a official team. What's that been like? And how do you keep the intensity up in your training and, and your playing? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Um, you know, it, it's really difficult, to be honest, because um, it, it just doesn't feel like you necessarily have a home anywhere, your home rink or your home ice and, and your team. And um, to, to hop on the ice with the same individuals, you know, every week, multiple times a week training for you know, a showcase and the dream gap tour is awesome, but there's nothing like chasing a championship at the end of the season. So I think it's a little bit different. Um, and we've, we've adjusted well as a group, but you know, it, it isn't a real season, but um, in terms of the dream gap tour, I think we've put together a handful of competitive games and um, you know, that's what we're preparing for is to make sure that we're ready for those games, for the U S Canada series for world championships to be on the national team, but then also to provide the visibility that, you know, people don't necessarily get to see us in, in these towns and to, to visit these different towns, have a give back portion and hop on the ice with the younger kids is, is a, a very unique opportunity. So if anything, I think the silver lining of this year is, um, you know, while we're chasing a professional league that's sustainable and viable long-term, we're, we're able to touch different people that we might not necessarily be introduced to on a, on a regular basis with a regular season. Yeah, we love the Dream Gap Tour in Seattle, and I know it's not – it's pretty regional right now or rel- <laughs> relatively there. regional, but uh, I understand. But uh, I'm putting in my vote right now. Um, we're waiting for the ice. Yeah, that's true. Good, that's, that's a good that's point. That's a good point. <laughs> you yeah, got Because we don't have a lot. So, um, I think you guys are too, right? Yep, yeah. yeah, we are. <laughs> So going back to 2017, you know, the U.S. women's players were involved in the equitable pay dispute kind of with USA Hockey. Um, That was a little touch and go for a while, but it ended, I would think, relatively positively for the players. And I'm wondering if that experience 
uh, and a positive outcome or what I perceive as a positive outcome uh, helped with the uh, the confidence to, to go for it with the for the game movement that would eventually lead to the PWHPA. Is that is that a fair statement or is yeah, that- no, it, it is. I think whenever you're you're trying to move mountains and do big things, um, there's always that 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 aspect that seems terrifying or daunting. But I mean, this group is so special that we we were able to maneuver through, um, you know, a, a daunting event and to come out on the on the positive side of the equitable support battle and to to have that um, confidence to be able to collectively know what we're standing up for and to go out and seek it. I think we definitely there are lessons there that we can definitely apply moving forward um, when we're talking about establishing a pro league in North America. Um, so I think we find confidence from, from our previous experience. And I hope that rubs off on other people who are also members and a part of the movement um, to really say, you know, we need to do better. Um, not only for us, because, you know, we'll have maybe a few seasons in this league that, that we'll find eventually, but it, it's really about the next generation. And I think that's, what's so important is that it's something bigger than ourselves. Um, and I think, you know, we've got the right group to be able to do it and, I always say we're too stubborn to fail. So you know, once we put our mind to something, we're going to yeah. go out there and do it. Yeah. And so what, with the goals being a, a viable league, you kind of talked about it earlier. Um, what what do you think a viable league looks like? If you were drawing up the viable league, how would it look? Yeah, well, I think it has to start with a, a solid business model. Um, one that doesn't necessarily count for the next three years, but you know, what what it what does 10 years look like? What does 20 years look like? What's the, what's the impact that it's going to have sort of on a registration level, also an elite level, um, all the resources that go into, you know, if you take like a typical NHL team, all the people behind the scenes or in the front office that go into making those guys on the ice as successful as possible. I mean, we need all that. Um, so it's, it's hard to put, you know, every single bucket list out there and say, okay, this is the bucket we need to fill, but essentially, you know, we need, we need healthcare, we need training resources, um, funding. Um, we also need to be able to employ phenomenal coaches and the behind the scenes staff members and marketing and, and all these other things. Um, so it's a, it's going to be a perfect mixture of everything and we're going to start off small and it's going to grow and to be something way bigger down the line that hopefully, you know, when we're older, we can sit back and be like, yeah, you know, we, we help be the foundation for that. But um, there's so much that goes into a player's success on the ice that a uh, person might not necessarily know or see. And a lot of that just starts with basic fundamentals of the healthcare, having ice time and, and good coaching and, and people to pick you up when you fall down. So when to repair the bumps and bruises that you, you get night in and night out and, and resources to be able to travel and play other teams. So there's a lot that goes into a successful league, but I think long-term sustainability and a plan to make sure that women's hockey is going to be in a better position than how we found it. So do you think that right now, like, do you think that this this movement has made significant progress towards um, a positive outcome in the end? Yeah, I think um, you know it's, it's provided a lot of visibility and a lot of voice and platforms for what we're true. trying to do. Yeah, yeah. and um, you know people are talking about it. I, I don't think it's a mistake that, you know, everyone who is in the, the Women's Elite 3-on-3 at the NHL All-Star Weekend was a PWHPA member. Um, you know, we've got the best players in the world. And I think I don't think that can go unnoticed um, of what we're striving for. So, you know, sometimes the players that are more popular need to use their voice for players who don't have a voice or for a girl that might not have a voice. And I think that's what the movement is about, is making sure that, you know, we're standing up for the rights of players who we, we need we need to do better. Um, not only for us, but for for the little girl that's going to turn on the TV and watch us someday. Yeah, I uh, 
couldn't agree more. Um, and and I do coach a little learn to play, and those girls when they see girls on TV get just are amazed by it. And I think whatever you are doing, it's it's definitely elevating the profile of women's uh, hockey in general. And so you're. I think you're in Anaheim now, correct, for uh, training for the Rivalry Series? And so I just want to give our listeners a a little reminder about the last three games of the Rivalry Series. You've got got a game Monday in Victoria on February 3rd. Uh, We actually have a watch party going on in Seattle, which should be pretty cool. Um, And then February 5th, you're playing in Vancouver, and then you go back down to Anaheim. Anaheim, February 8th. And then I think you have another Dream Gap tour at the end of February, or is that March? I think it's February 28th or it starts the 29th. Yeah, I was like looking um, at your schedule. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're all over the place because <laughs> at the at the very or that very end of March, you're up at in Nova Scotia for uh, Women's Worlds. You're literally Halifax, yeah. yeah all over North America. We're all so, over. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so so where are you based out of right now, or where's home? Uh, where are you centralized right now? I guess where you're training. If you were at home, where, yeah, honestly, wherever my suitcase is. No, um, I'm between Minneapolis. Minnesota and uh, Montreal, Quebec. A lot of juggling. I'm sure you have to find some players to to play with and train with, and that's all motivating. So it makes sense you'd be there. So you got these games coming up with Canada. We can. Do we have it on your authority that you guys are going to take care of business uh, this coming up? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that, that's why we're here. Right? <laughs> this is vengeance for the three on three yeah, that's twenty right. minute exhibition. Can... Look, I mean, Victoria's sold out. So yeah, I mean, nice. that's that's going to be a big crowd that's going to be booing us, and then Vancouver will be. You know Vancouver fans, and then there's, there's a lot of pride on the line, especially with these sold-out buildings. Very cool. That's awesome. All right, well, Hillary Knight, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, we really, really appreciate you coming on, despite uh, still dealing with the uh, lack of voice from All Star Weekend. So <laughs> yeah, so sorry about that. No, you're no good. problem. You're good. Sorry, sorry to make it worse. You battled through. It's uh, you know you're a hockey player. <laughs> you're a warrior. You're That's a warrior. Right. Yeah. Uh, but thank you very much for doing this, and uh, we will definitely all be watching that uh, that rivalry series and the women's worlds and all that. So uh, best of luck to you. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. We now move on to our segments, and our first segment is the very underrated, <laughs> very <laughs> oh boy, well liked segment, liked. appropriately uh, rated goalie gear corner. <laughs> oh, my voice yeah. struggled on that one. Wow. Yikes! <laughs> You're losing it. Oh boy. Maybe you shut it down. <laughs> it was all those pucktails you did. Yeah. We whoo, we had a few uh, goalie gear corners to share with you. The first one, Tristan Jari. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but he has Tom and Jerry on his uh, mask. Now, I always just thought it was kind of funny because like his last name is Jari, which sounds like Jerry, right? So mm-hmm. somebody probably called him Tom and Jerry at some point. Well, it turns out there's a more of a deep story to it. And um, I've always mentioned, you know, how the, the goalie mask is something that's very personal to the goalie. And a lot of times there's some sort of message in there that uh, is actually a really deep thing. Well, that's the case on this. So it turns out that when he was playing for the Edmonton Oil Kings and, and Mike DeFabo or DeFabo wrote a story about it uh, for the Post-Gazette. But so he had a, a special like version of it for the all-star game but still it had tom and jerry on it uh so the story is that when he was playing for the Edmonton oil kings uh one of his teammates christians pels who was an international player and you know an this import. better than anybody yep an import uh so there's a limited number but there's always what one or two, two. guys mm-hmm. yeah pels was from i think latvia is that where yep. riga is yep. he went home to latvia uh for one of the summers i guess he like went out for partying or something and decided to jump off this bridge to like i don't know if it was any kind of thing where he was trying to hurt himself or it was just he was 
drunk and wanted to do something fun or whatever and he ended up dying and so the reason that it's connected to tom and jerry is because he had uh because english wasn't his first language he heard tristan jari and thought of tom and jerry mm -hmm. and so then he started calling tristan jari tom and jerry and so that was where that nickname came from so tristan jari decided to keep this tom and jerry motif on his helmet um, he's worn at every so, level. He's yeah, it and so it's and it's like an undercover yeah. way to pay homage to his old teammate and buddy. So, yep. um, really, really cool story. I thought. Um, so that's our first goalie gear corner. Our second one, Freddie Anderson shows up wearing a, a pretty awesome Bauer setup at the All Star game with the CN Tower on it. Bauer, not Bauer. Brian. Bauer, not it's Brian. Brian. It's a Bauer. I got mm -hmm. scolded on Twitter by Darren for saying Brian. It's true. He said this is a nice Brian setup, and then he's like, Darren, did I do that right? And I was like, Well, not quite. It's <laughs> Brian apostrophe s. Yeah. The more you know. Yeah. The more you know. Uh, but yeah, so the CN Tower is like goes up the outside rolls, and uh, I just think it's pretty good look. The, I, I thought it was too. His helmet, though, mm -hmm. also had himself and Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews on it. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. Interesting. A little bit, you know, self. Yeah. What? It was the All-Stars. Yeah. Maybe, okay, right. Maybe. So the Leafs All-Stars that were there were yeah. the ones that were on his yeah. mask. Maybe the Seattle future crap weasel goaltender will put the space needle on this oh yeah. not a bad idea i don't Rainier. hate it that Rainier would be maybe down there have been thunderbirds goalies who have had both those things on them mm -hmm. in the past no well, but on their pads. Yeah. 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 pads so Sorry. what if you did yeah. like mount rainier this is a good idea you could Cut put mount half. rainier like split i like it right and when he goes butterfly oh man oh. man <sighs> awesome. we gotta workshop that yeah. all right somebody work on some graphics for us for uh, those pads. Uh, I thought you were going to say they were going to put a Sound of Hockey sticker on their helmet. Not a bad idea also. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a given. <laughs> oh, when the when he goes down to the butterfly, then somehow it shapes into Dude, a crap, crap weasel. weasel. Yeah. <laughs> or just crap on one pad, weasels on the other. Yeah, just like... <laughs> Crap. Weasel. Crap. Weasel. Crap. Yeah. Weasel. With the uh, photo. And then right. our we're final goalie gear corner, guys. Jordan Bennington uh, shows up with a like dark blue setup from CCM with like some light blue mixed in with it that matched their jerseys very, very nicely. And then it had a little STL at the top of one and a little St. Louis blue note on the other one. And I thought it was just a really good look. There was nothing overly creative about it, but, um, you know, very colorful, very cool. Made me want to do the chef's kiss thing, the little mwah, you know what I mean? Yep. Yep. So, I, I guess so, yeah. Um, lots, anyway, lots good stuff. Lots of GGC on this. That wraps up this week's Goalie Year Corner, of which there were many. Uh, we move on now to Buy, Sell, or Hold. And it's going to be a pretty straightforward. We'll see if you guys get the theme here by the fourth Buy, Sell, or Hold. <laughs> Our first four. topic is Buy, Sell, or Hold. The Nashville Predators make the playoffs. John, what do you think? Uh... uh I'm a little terrified. I'm going to buy it probably because I'm rooting for them uh, more than anything. Um, they've got some games at hand. Good squad. They're going to put it together. Bought. Okay. Bought. Andy? They do have games at hand. They do. As we're recording this, they've played 48 games. Minnesota, who's ahead of them, has played 50 games. Winnipeg has played 51. Chicago has played 51. Uh, but, I mean, they are literally in last place in the Central Division. Yeah. To me, I think it's a sell just because... There's just so many teams ahead of them that they're going to have to, to leapfrog. I think, even though they're not super far out, I just, I just, I think they're in a hole that Leap, leapfrogging is actually something to be. If there's so many teams in front of you, you got to count on all those teams doing poorly. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so that's why I'm saying. I know. That's why I I'm, I'm kind of agreeing with you, but okay. And I'm going to hold, so I'm going to be the middle ground. That's the coward response. I think that the reason <laughs> they could do it is because we saw it last year, right, from the St. Louis Blues, who at this point in the season, uh, they were last and. 
They ended up winning the Stanley Cup. The reason I think they couldn't do it is because neither of their goaltenders has played at all this year. And I think that that is a hard trend to buck. If you have one guy who's struggling, uh, maybe you can get the other guy in and, and have him rise up yep. like they had last year with Jordan Bennington. But, you know, you have two pretty established goaltenders there, both of whom who are really struggling. So unless one of those guys really catches fire, which I, I guess that's possible too. Um, but that's why I'm holding because I think I can see it very much going either way. Uh, our next buy, seller hold, the Vancouver Canucks will make the playoffs. Buy, seller hold. Do you sense the theme yet? Are you asking me if I sense the theme? Just in general. Anyone in the room? Wade, you get it? Yep, he's nodding. Yeah, he gets it. John? I'm going to buy. I think they're as good as anybody at the top right now okay. um, in that division. Okay. Uh, I'm not, don't think they'll go very deep. Side note, mm-hmm. do you know Quinn Hughes was in the All-Star game this ah, year? He was. Yep. For three years in a row, Vancouver Canucks have had a rookie in the All-Star game. So. And Brock mm-hmm. Besser was the MVP two years ago. Besser, yeah. Pedersen, and Hughes. Hughes. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been saying for a while I'm scared how good Vancouver is going to be by the time Seattle gets in this. So, But I'm going to buy. I think... I think uh, they're as good as anybody in the West right now. Yeah, I'm going to buy two. I mean, they're in first place now, but that's that's you pretty homer. Uh, but them being in first place is not really saying much because they're also a point, two points from being out of first place and out of the playoff race. So the way that the Pacific is and the Western Conference is. But you look at they have a good goal differential. They're great at home. They're getting good goaltending. Um, I think they'll hang on to a spot. They may not end up in first place in the Pacific Division, yeah. but I think they're going to they'll, they'll get at least a wild card. I'm going to sell just because. Just to spite us. Yeah, I mean, well, back to goaltending. I don't know if I really believe in uh, Mark Sturm and his potty mouth. mouth. So, well, although he was just in the All Star game, yeah, was but, David Dubnik in the All Star game? No, but I didn't. <laughs> we didn't. We're not talking about the Wild here, okay? <laughs> I think they're going to have a goalie situation on their hands because Mark Sturm's a UFA this year. Yeah, but, and then and they, Thatcher Demko is coming up. Do and, they anticipate signing? And DiPietro, right? Isn't and he in there too? Is like waiting in the in the DiPietro, I think is exempt because he didn't probably. Pro but he's last in their year. mix though, as far as yeah. But I'm saying situation. expansion draft. Yeah. What are they going to do with Markstrom? I don't know. They have some some pending salary cap issues with okay. all those rookies all you right. mentioned. They're all coming up. So all right. a goalie could be expendable, though, to free up some, some cap room for other guys. Well, okay. they're just not going to re-sign them. Yeah. Okay. Our next buy, seller hold, the Columbus Blue Jackets make the playoffs. Buy, seller hold. Oof. I'm going to go first. I am going to sell because although they're in – I think – have I sold in all three now? No, I did hold oh, on no. the first one. Um, because although they're currently in a wild card spot, uh, I think that they're overachieving. I really do. I know that John Tortorella has them playing well, but I think they just lost too much star power to really do anything, and I just I don't think they're going to do it. I think they're out. I'm going to hold, okay. cowardly, mm-hmm. uh, but one thing I heard about Columbus is how well they're playing defensively and how well their system is about not allowing quality shots. I mean, that's I'm summarizing at a very high level, but that kind of explains why Bobrovsky was so good in Columbus. Um, and not so good in Florida, hmm. um, and why they're having such good success with their goaltenders in Columbus right now. But I do think they're overachieving. They've won eight out of the last ten. I don't think that's really sustainable. Um, I think it would be a good story, though. Like, I'm I'm actually going to Columbus in a couple of weeks, and uh, we'll be rooting for them. Andy? I think I'm going to sell. I think I agree that they'd be a good story. Um, but I just look at some of the teams behind them. You know, Carolina's behind them right now by a point and a game in hand. I think they're a vastly better team. Okay. And then uh, Toronto, I still got to believe Toronto is three points behind them, but has a game in hand, two games in hand. 
I just think Toronto's a better team than Columbus when it comes right down to it. I think they'll catch them and, and surpass them. I noticed you glossed over Philadelphia there, which could theoretically sneak in. And they could do, but I think Toronto's better than Toronto and Carolina are better than Philadelphia. Somebody in this room, a tater tot hot dish. <laughs> um, and then our final buy, seller, hold, you just mentioned them, the Carolina Hurricanes. Do they make the uh, the playoffs, buy, seller, hold? I'm going to buy. I think they're, 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 they play decent defense. They have a really good goal differential, plus 27 amongst the best in, the, in, in that that side of things uh you know they added mr game seven right so mm-hmm. he, he'll be a boost for them down the stretch and I, i'm in on the carolina hurricanes uh, i'm definitely gonna buy uh, i think they're a really solid team mm-hmm. and uh um i i don't you know they might just take the wild card but i think they could do some damage in the playoffs as well yep i also am a buy on the carolina hurricanes i think with rod the bod and uh <laughs> and justin williams there i just i don't see how you can bet against them i don't think we talked about it but they're they're do we talk about their dodgeball game they played they that's uh, a good point on yeah the, uh, that was pretty cool was pretty cool I, I wanna, my favorite of the year i'd say i kind of want to i kind of want dodgeball on skates now to become a thing because i thought that looked pretty cool uh we now move on to our weekly one-timers <laughs> We only have a couple of these weekly one-timers this week. Uh, The first one, and this is kind of a big one, I guess. Maybe we could have made this its own segment, but Gritty is being investigated. (laughs) You can't can't make this stuff up. Uh, For allegedly punching a 13-year-old in the back. Allegedly. (laughs) The story is that he uh, was doing some sort of an event for season ticket holders. This guy and his kid came to, uh, to get a picture, and in the process, he punched the kid in the back for some well, reason. Well, not just punching, too. What, they're, what, they're, what the family, what the dad claims is that the kid was walking away, Greedy got up from a chair mm-hmm. and raced like 10 feet and mm-hmm. punched him in the back. Yeah. And that the kid had some bruising the next day or something. They filed a complaint with the Flyers. The Flyers said that they did their own investigation and they ruled that there was nothing, no wrongdoing. Uh, and so then the father... Uh, filed a police report and the Philadelphia police actually have been investigating, I guess. But um, I mean, it sounds a little far-fetched to me. There, if I'm, some, if been, I'm being honest, it sounds a little far-fetched. There's been me. some suspicious things about this claim. That, yeah. Like the father, two weeks after the event, changed his Facebook profile to be the picture of him and his kid and Gritty, which mm-hmm. seems if you're that upset about this, you wouldn't necessarily do that. Um, but Gritty was allowed to go to the All-Star game, yep. even, though this, yep. even though this is going on. He was there at the All-Star game. Yeah. I kind of want to see a Netflix like crime docu series on this. Okay, <laughs> three part series. On it this. is. It's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. I do. You mentioned it before we started recording that you know it's interesting that gritty is the one that's being mentioned. all the new stories say gritty. Yeah, it's not like a <laughs> not somebody person. wearing the costume or something. It's actually gritty. yeah. Because well, I, mean, I think if they what do you determine mean, costume. Oh yeah, good point. If they do determine this happened, Gritty wouldn't go to jail. Whoever was in the, the Gritty would still go on. <laughs> so they would just get a new person. Or what, what are you talking about, know. man? Like, <laughs> Gritty is real. Yeah. There's something Jesus. about the yeah. just Philadelphia mascots. I remember the Philadelphia, what's his name? The, the fanatic, fanatic yeah. got in trouble too, yeah. Well, he like beat up Tommy yep. Lasorda or something. Yep. So um, anyway, our next weekly <laughs> one-timer. John, what happened? Boston Pride, they finally lost a game. They lost the game, yes. The Boston Pride, they won their first 19 games and lost their 20th game. Mm. But then they won the next night and clinched first place in the playoffs. Okay. That's pretty good. Oh my, yeah, so they're 20-1 and one, uh, with only a couple more weeks left. That's decent. Um, so, uh, speaking of a similar heater, mm-hmm. uh, since I'm the WHL correspondent, yeah. Portland Winterhawks 
just down south here, have the last 21 games have not lost in regulation. They have points that? in 21 Jesus. straight. They've only had two losses in that time via like the shootout or overtime. So, so they're good they're at hockey. Pretty good, yeah. Remarkable. Uh, so get get over and see them play next time they come rolling through. When are they gonna be here next? Uh, I think in a couple weeks. It's, it's like they're they're up here a lot. Okay. So. <laughs> and our final weekly one timer. The Georgia Ice Dogs. So this is the University of Georgia's like club hockey team. So not the Bulldogs. They call them the Ice Dogs. That's with a W. D A W G S. They clarifying that. apparently are getting their own arena. It's a 5,500 seat arena for the club hockey That's team. Impressive. It's being paid for by taxpayers. Now I'm sure they're going to use this arena for other things. But yeah, interesting, right? But it makes you wonder: Are they going to try to become a Division One team, follow in the footsteps of? Arizona and you Alabama, know, Huntsville. Yeah, exactly. Well, that happened a long time ago. Oh, but, I know, but um, it's, a mar- it's it's remarkable. Though. We talked about Arizona State before, though, when they made the jump, and they they still play in a tiny. It, it, rink, no, it yeah, doesn't come yeah. hold close to five five thousand people. Correct. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's very interesting. I'm like, how long can you sustain uh, club hockey in a 5500? Apparently, they do draw pretty well for their so for works. their games, similar to how um, we've heard UNLV draws really well, just because. That city's so like hockey mad, but it's crazy. Um, yeah, it's crazy. It is. Who would have thought that really four is. years ago? Yeah. yeah, and I also heard that University of Sacred Heart or Sacred Heart University is it? I'm not sure, but uh, that's in Connecticut. They're getting their own rink too, which I think will be a big boon for uh, that program. That's actually a Division One program, though. That's been a Division One program. The, for the quite Georgia a while. thing is remarkable to me because there's not there's some there's some minor league hockey there, right? There's some ECHL teams. Maybe uh, that's in, in Duluth. So, there could be the Southern SPH. Yeah. Isn't but there the Southern a, Professional Hockey League? But Georgia. Georgia as a state, like hockey's never been like. I mean, there's been two NHL franchises. Well, what about Thrasher? Have, oh, you're saying and the Flames. Flames. Like, there's been two NHL franchises that didn't work there. <laughs> they didn't work. <laughs> they both won the Stanley Cup since they left, right? Yeah, uh, I no, 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 the Jets have it. Certainly sorry. not. Yeah. But long live the Thrashers. You know, speaking of the Thrashers, there's a funny, there's Atlanta Thrashers Twitter account out there. I don't know who runs it, but oh, they're yeah. pretty funny. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> and we'll close the show with games on the radar. John, what do you got? Uh, Caps versus Pen- Penguins. It's a throwback. <laughs> I didn't notice we had the same game. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> All right. Well, that's our well, let's both watch game it. on the radar. Yeah, um, yeah. But that's uh, 930 NBC on uh, the Sunday known as Sunday. Super, Super Sunday. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get sued. Yeah, but that'll be fun, right? <laughs> it's the day of the big game. Wake up yeah, in the morning. Saying. How stupid is that? I know. <laughs> Wake up in the morning. You, it's like Voldemort. You can't, <laughs> you can't say the name. Exactly. Pay. Roll out of bed, right? You'll. I mean, it's Sunday morning, so, so head yeah. over to the couch. A little bit of a throwback rivalry, Flip right? on yeah. NBC. Yeah. You got the, the big game now on NBC. They start showing games on, on the real network after... Uh, after the All Star Game, so there you go. So that's our two game teams, two on teams. the radar. Yeah, they're both playing really well. Crosby's back, playing great. Andy, your game on the radar. My game on the radar is two games on the radar, but one that might happen before you hear this podcast. Okay. But uh, the Oilers and Flames oh, are doing yes. acquaintances oh, this week, uh, Wednesday, this. and then Saturday is the second game. Should be interesting, as we talked about before in the pod. Uh, the Kachuk Cassian rivalry is mm-hmm. probably gonna something's probably gonna happen. We don't know what. There did seem to be some bad blood between Leon Dreisaitl and uh, Matthew Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk made this really great pass to Dreisaitl like to set him up for a goal. Back, yeah. yeah, in the in the All Star game, and Dreisaitl scored, and then they just didn't. didn't there was no celebration. Like, no. don't even acknowledge. Well, but I, I don't. Well, anyway, let's. We've already kicked the All Star game horse to death already. We yeah. need to revisit it. Okay. Well, let's see enough of that then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this wraps up episode seventy one. Uh, thank you all. What was that? 
I dropped a can. Oh, MPLS <laughs> beer guy for that awesome review that we read at awesome. the beginning and for uh, being a fellow Minnesotan who also happens to like Seattle. You you might be my exact demographic that I'm looking for. So uh, thank you for finding our podcast. And uh, you too can have your uh, review read on our show. If you leave us a review on iTunes or on Stitcher, you can subscribe at those places. You can subscribe at Spotify as well. You can buy your t-shirt, your Crap Weasels t-shirt. Running low. We're running, running low. low. And uh, we will talk to you all next week for episode 72. Cheers. Life.